Welcome to First Reading, the Old Testament lectionary podcast where scholars and preachers intersect. <sighs> That's the roar of the crowd. Anyway, I'm Rachel Wren. And I'm Tim McNinch. Did you know, Rachel, that this is our 50th? episode. Oh, that's exciting. It is. That means we've been doing this for almost a year. Hey, that's really cool. Yeah. And so uh, this would probably be a good place to say thank you. We're giving away a car. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Sorry. (laughs) Thank you, everyone who's been listening over this past year. Uh, We couldn't do this without having somebody on the other end. So, well, maybe we could, but it wouldn't be as much fun. Not nearly. So thank you all for listening, and if you haven't yet had a chance to just let us know what you think of the podcast, to give us feedback that either um, tells us what you love about what we're doing or ways that we could improve what we're doing, we have a a contact link on our website, firstreadingpodcast.com. This uh, would be a great uh, 50th episode reason to just head over there and give us a little bit of feedback to let us know what you think about what we're doing. So anyway, happy 50th. Yeah, happy 50th to you too. Well, I, I think uh, we should get into this week's episode. Uh, this is uh, Isaiah 58, 1 through 9a, and possibly 9b through 12, as the lectionary puts it, which is the first reading for February 9th. And Rachel's done some preparation on this for us, so why don't we get right into it? We're looking at here in Isaiah 58... Uh, we've, we've spent so much time in Isaiah over the last several months. Yeah, we're BFFs now. That's right. We, we know all about Isaiah. So it won't be any surprise to our regular listeners out there that, uh, this is coming from what scholars would term third Isaiah. We spent a lot of time in second Isaiah during Advent. So, uh, what, is there a, a, a difference here between those two portions of the book and sort of the themes or what's going on there? Yeah, absolutely. There, um, so this is almost, this is right towards the beginning of 3rd Isaiah. 3rd Isaiah begins in chapter 56, then you have chapter 57, and we here are in chapter 58. And it is a far cry from the Deutero-Isaiah or the second Isaiah text we had in Advent, which were all, comfort, comfort ye my people. Um, mm-hmm. Cry out comfort that the sins have been forgiven and the term has been paid. Here, we're kind of back at the beginning in some ways, where where now we are God seeking healing again, or God seeking restoration of the people, even though that restoration in some ways has happened. So is that something that we can see in the the way that it's presented in the Hebrew? What sort of linguistic things would you point out here? Yeah, absolutely. In that very first verse, the very first word is kra. Mm-hmm. It's a masculine imperative there. So this is God calling the prophet to cry out. The word in Hebrew kara means to cry out. And we see it a lot in Isaiah. And in fact, we see it a lot in second Isaiah, that suck section we were talking about from chapters 40 to 55, in those 15 chapters, this word occurs over 30 times. So it's kind of a theme word in 2nd Isaiah. Here, this is almost the first time it's used in 3rd Isaiah, and there's a very different message because now it's not cry out comfort, it's cry out Declare to my people their transgression, to the house of Jacob their sin. So it's almost a play on this really important word from Second Isaiah. So when when a prophet is calling out, it's usually 
uh, bringing out into the open something that's been hidden, mm-hmm. right? So, so what is it? What what's the big deal that the prophet is is crying out about in this passage? Very succinctly, God's people are talking the talk, but they are not walking the walk. So if you look at verse 2 through the beginning of verse 3, God says, To be sure they seek me daily. They want to be near me, or they say that. They even fast, and they cry out to me that they're fasting, and yet I'm not paying attention to them. And the answer is because, at the end of verse 3, On your fast day... You see to your business and oppress all your laborers. So essentially, even though they are doing the action of walking the walk, they're not doing the full and complete action, which would be, you know, not oppressing people while you're going about your business and not doing that, especially on God's holy day. Mm -hmm. The Sabbath itself seems to be a pretty big deal here. That seems to be really in the forefront of the prophet's mind as he's reaming out the people for their actions here. Why Why the Sabbath? What's the big deal about the Sabbath? Yeah, absolutely. So in this section of Isaiah, we've returned from exile, which means that on the return from exile, the people had two main jobs. The first was to rebuild the structures of Jerusalem. The second was to rebuild the structures of the people itself. Uh, before the exile, they had two main pillars that society was founded on. You had the, the temple, and the high priest, which still remains now, but you also had the monarch and the monarchy and the kingship. That's gone. So now the only thing or the main thing that allows them to form their identity is this temple and these practices that are associated with it. So things like Sabbath takes on new importance post-exile, For that reason, but also because it's important to remember, not everybody came back from diaspora. There are people still living in Egypt. There's people still living in Babylon. There's people still living in Persia, maybe, who still identify as Judeans by these practices. So when you profane these practices in a new way, you are not only profaning God, you are in some way profaning your very self and the community um, and perhaps the people you love who are no longer with you. That sounds like a, that would be pretty uh, smoothly applicable to a modern context. How would you think about preaching something like that? Yeah, I think so. I think, um, you know, so Sabbath is always a fun one to do with confirmation students because um, Sabbath, we think of Sabbath as Sunday, um, but our Sunday, our modern day Sunday, carries almost none of the same connotations as the Sabbath did. Mm-hmm. So in some ways, you don't want to get, this is perhaps a preaching pitfall, you don't want to get stuck in, people never come to church or they only come <laughs> once a month. I'm lowering my voice because I'm picturing a certain kind of pastor and I'm slightly <laughs> ill, but that's okay. We don't have to talk about that. So, but basically, you know, you don't want to get stuck in that pitfall. That's not what this text is about. What this text is about is what are the things, what are the things that God has asked of us around which our identity is formed that perhaps we're profaning? You know, you could think of of any number of things, but that would be specific to a community as well. Um, That might be very different in a small rural community, which struggles with um, issues of addiction, which are not being talked about, but are eating the, the community from the inside out, versus a larger community in an urban setting where perhaps the laws around the community are really pushing the community to injustice, um, either participate in or be persecuted by. So I think that would be one thing, is what are the things that we form our identity around that we're kind of trampling on at the mm-hmm. same time? 
Another sermon idea could be this question of building up the people. Uh, what would it look like for your community to, to think of the people in it as a structure that, that needs to be built up or maybe has the invitation to be built up? What would it look like to kind of take hammer and nails in a metaphorical sense to your community and to the people in it? And does that metaphor go anywhere in your community if you think of building up the people? The last thing I would talk about in a sermon, which could be really interesting, is this idea uh, in the end of verse 7. So verse 7, it's shifted a little bit where God is not only um, accused through the prophet, but now God is saying what God wants from this community. It is to share your bread with the hungry, to take the wretched poor into your home when you see the naked to clothe them and to not ignore your own kin. Now that word, that's the JPS translation, Tim. That word kin in the actual Hebrew is basar. If you were going to write it, it would be something like Mm B-A-S-A-R. Basar, and it means your flesh. Right, right. So here, there's this idea that not only are people hurting other people, but somehow by hurting other people, they're hurting their own flesh. They're hurting themselves. And I think that is a definite preaching point. This idea that hurting others hurts us. There's so many ways you can talk about that. From a family standpoint, which may be you know, even more poignant in a small congregation. From a business standpoint, if you've got a lot of business people in your congregation who make big deals, which may hurt people in terms of efficiency's sake, it can be easy to do that when you feel distant from it. And yet this text proclaims that doing things like that eats away at your very core It could be a theological issue. What is it about God that's being watered down in your environment to make being a Christian more socially acceptable and maybe is hurting people because of that? This idea is that issues affect real bodies in your community. But don't end your sermon there because Isaiah doesn't either. Isaiah goes on in verse 8 to say, when you stop doing these things, when you stop carving into your own flesh, then your light shall burst forth like the dawn. Then the long-awaited healing shall spring up quickly. Then your vindicator shall march before you. And then your cry, your kara, taking us all the way back to verse 1 here, mm-hmm. God will say to it, here I am. And maybe God is actually doing those things already, but we miss them when we're too busy chipping away at our own flesh or kin or community. The one preaching pitfall I would say I would include at the end of this is to be wary of using as graphic a language as I am using now. This image of cutting away at one's own body resonates with people who've actually cut into their own skin as a way to deal with trauma. Um, It can become an addiction. It can be very dangerous. And even when you recover from it, it can be triggered into relapse by using the kind of language I am now. So just know your congregation uh, and choose your words wisely. Well, thanks for getting us deep into this text really quickly and for getting at the heart of it. Uh, Thank you all for listening to this week's episode. Once again, you can find all of our stuff over at the website, firstreadingpodcast.com. You know, 50 episodes is a good run so far, and here's to 50 more. And we're giving away a car! (laughs) Or not. (laughs) But we will give away another episode next week, so join us then. (laughs) And until then, I'm Tim McNinch. And I'm Rachel Wren. Happy preaching. Happy preaching.